Yo, this is Cypher Sounds. I'm very famous in New York. And right now you're listening and I'm listening. We're all listening to the Sugar Hill Gang podcast on, on, on places where you can hear podcasts. Obviously, because we're listening now. So that's okay. I'm Cypher Sounds. This is Sugar Hill Gang podcast. Let's go. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? This is the Sugar Hill Gang Podcast, and I'm your host, the Master G, and I'm joined by my brothers. What's up, T-Dynasty? What's happening, baby? Cypher! Yeah! All right. Uh, and my man, my man, Hendog. What's up, Hen? What's Go up, on. baby? Celebrating Black History. Black History yeah. Month. Oh, is that yeah. today? Is that today? <laughs> I, I, I got to keep... <laughs> Folks, today I got to keep a straight face and I'm working on this, but it's going to be very difficult because we are joined by my man, my man himself, the dude, babe. Put your hands together, y'all. Show your love for Cypher Sounds, man. Just give it up oh, for man. Cypher Sounds, y'all. A, a, what up, Cypher? This has been, first of all, 2020 has been the wildest year ever. And I know we're in 2021 technically, but I still count this as the extended version of 2020. And absolutely, it, it's been a wild, wild year, a lot of lows. But to, to be on this show right now with you guys, man, is an honor. And this is a high for me, man. Maybe 2021 is looking good. I don't know. We, we're starting it off good, Cypher. So, yeah. so here's the deal, man. You know, and uh, I know you, we know you, the world knows you. But to, the, to our fans, you know, we got fans as, you know, 80-year-old 80, 80 fans as well yep. as, you know, 8-year-old fans. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Let the world know you, man. Give us the, give us so, the, uh, the full. Yeah, so I got a slogan. I'm very famous in New York. I, I like to say that because it's fun to say, but it's very much not true. Um, so I'm from the Bronx. <laughs> I'm from the Bronx, New York City. Uh, I started off as a hip-hop DJ. I used to tour with Little Kim back in the, in the late 90s. Then I got my internship at Hot 97, and that's where I spent most of my career. That's where I met, made my name. I was at Hot 97 for 17 years. When I tell you from every possible position, from intern to Funkmaster Flex to eventually getting the morning show and every fill-in in between. Um, and somewhere in there, um, I was told I was funny on the radio and started looking into this whole comedy world. I left Hot 97 in 2015, like right, up, right about now. In 2015, I left. Hot 97 to go full-time comedian and it's been working out uh horribly ever since <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> hey I, hey you you you've done some pretty cool things okay a lot well, of fun stuff man here's the hit cypher and we ask everybody that comes on the show because you know that's the beauty of what it is that we got going on our connection yeah. to the world what's your sugar hill gang story what's your rapper's delight story tell us your rapper's delight story. Oh the first time God. you're a girl. Yeah, yeah. Tell us that story. Rapper's delight. Oh man. I mean, I I'm sure you heard it all. Mine is is um my mom's my one of my mom's. You know, when we when we were young, we didn't know we were poor. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> we didn't know. I didn't know the projects was a bad thing. It's just where we That's the like everyday I, brick. <laughs> yeah, we didn't live in the projects. We lived right next door, but my mom's friend lived in the projects. And I remember um, being up 
I mean, Sugar Hill Gang, from when I first heard it was probably a little later. It was like a probably like an old school set from from Red Alert. I think it was Red Alert on Kiss, Kiss FM. And I'm in my, you know, mom's friend's apartment in the projects and like literally look out the window and it's like all the thing you hear, all the things you hear Nas rap about in the projects is happening right down there. But it was a Saturday night and and I, I think it was Red Alert. I don't want to give the wrong credit, but was playing like Peter Piper, uh, was playing um, uh, like, a, like a Houdini record and then played Sugar Hill Gang. And I mean, the, 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 the essence of the whole record, it has the groove and it has the fun raps and it's like, it had the, um, it just, it, it, it started the party. Like we were in a, and, and this is what I tell white people. We don't say, oh, you ever notice this? Only white people use the term dance party because they have to specify that there will be dancing at this party where when we have part, it's just, if there's a party, there will be dancing. It's so a no brainer. It, we wasn't planning to have a party, but, 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 um, uh, Rabbit's Delight came on and, and like you were joking around, you have fans that are 80 and eight, everybody starts dancing and everybody starts singing along. And it literally set the party off in what was just a normal Friday night. You know what I'm saying? There was maybe 10 people in the crib and everybody starts singing from the grandma down to the, to me, which was the little kid. And right. we're just having a blast. And it's something about the, the, the song that's infectious, you know what I mean? And yes. like, we still to this day can sing along to the song. To this day, like it comes on and everyone goes, ooh, you know, <laughs> it's a party yeah. starter. And <laughs> for a DJ, it's the perfect record to go to the bathroom to. I mean, because it's so long. <laughs> it's so long. You could play the song and go handle your business and come back. <laughs> that is always the one that I love the most. At a, People I mean, say I, that, right? I, right. I mean, it's like, a DJ I, thing. I get it. It is a DJ. It's like a D, it's the go to joint. But all it covers all the bases. I want to keep oh. the party going. I want to get people pumped up. I want to bring it in. I want to get to some 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 really good stuff. I want to rock. Oh, and I gotta go. To the I back. gotta get his mask off to this chick. Hold up. Yo, yo, there's a there's a there's a thing. You know, that sometimes there's camaraderie and respect amongst DJs, but sometimes DJs try to play you and try to kill you before you get on. And I learned this from the from the great Big Cap. Rest in peace, Big Cap. He was one of my mentors. He was like, I don't care if they play every hit record known to man. What I do is I reset the room. I turn all the music down. I get on the mic. I say, yo, I'm Big Cap. Uh, we about to do this. We about to do this. Do like a minute of two of straight talking. Bring everything down. And, and, and go to like a banger, like a never fail banger. And a lot of the times that's Rapper's Delight. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's and, crazy. And you erase what this disrespectful DJ just did. You erase it and you clear the slate. You could play all the songs he played again better, but you clean the slate and you you build up the whole party back up. That's the true talent of a, of a DJ. That's what I learned from like Funkmaster Flex and Big Cap, you know? 
Yeah, I was going to. I was going. I was going. I was going to ask you that. I mean, Flex, of course, is you know legendary in the world of uh, what was that experience, man? How how did that go down? Oh man, um, at first, not good. Uh, see, Flex, <laughs> Flex, Flex. Uh, I used to open up at the Tunnel Nightclub on Sundays. That was like a famous New York hip hop night. And Flex got the job on Hot 97 where he started doing uh, 7 to 10, being just a radio personality. So he needed help. So I was the opener at the tunnel. He said, hey, you want to come intern at the station? Help me out. I can't pay you, but I'll cover meals. And I'll and since you'll be with me, I'll help you get more opening gigs at clubs. So I was like, of course I want to do it. Now, Funkmaster Flex had some inner turmoil and inner resentment to how Chuck Chillout treated him as an intern. So, so Flex in turn wanted to abuse me the way he got abused. And he would put me through rigorous tests, but the thing was I passed every single one. And there was other interns around, but they never lasted. Right. And I took it like, yo, it's boot camp. It's boot camp. And I gotta take these, these these licks right now, but he was abusive. <laughs> but then he used to tell me, yo, this ain't nothing like what Chuck used to make me do. You're lucky. You're lucky. And then Chuck would come in, Chuck Chilla would come visit sometimes and still be abusive to me and Flex. <laughs> deep, deep reach, boy. That, that sucker go deep, yeah, but man. That taught me Every, to this day, I'm actually working on uh before COVID hit. Remember COVID ruined the world. Um, don't remember yeah. what's that? What's that? I was working on uh, uh I'm about to start doing these like kind of like college lectures, and they're all about the art of interning. Like interning is mm. almost illegal now. Yeah. Because like HR purposes, you can't treat an intern the way you they used to treat us. But I, but I. But I loved that treatment. It taught me everything I know. It, it made me who I was. I, I wouldn't be who I am if I could only intern in one department for three months, for three hours of the day with a little stipend at the end of the week. Like, no, I needed the eight hours a day of like, sometimes we didn't leave Hot 97 till four in the morning because Flex would do his show. Then he would get on the phone. Our barber would come to the, to the radio station. We would do pre-record interviews. We would be there all night. Right, right, yeah. And it's in those moments when I got to talk to legends, like the new rappers, of course, at the time, this is late 90s, yeah. so I'm talking to yeah. DMX, Nori, Cannabis, Rockefeller, Cameron, all those guys, but then also the legends. Um, right. You know, Red Alert comes in, Chuck Chill Out, DJ Scratch, Kid Capri would be around, Clark Kent, and then... um you know, across the hall was Kiss FM. Yeah. Isaac Hayes and Rick James used to have shows on there. So I met Isaac Hayes when I'm 22 years old or Rick James. And they were like, man, man, y'all young bloods got it tough, man. Y'all got to put on these rubbers. We used to be free falling. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> That, but I wouldn't be able to do that in today's, uh, you know, workplace with like, oh, the right. intern can be there for three months and then they go to marketing and then they see how promotion is. And it's like, nah, I, I want to be in the trenches. So I want to teach the beauty of what I call um, 
just getting in the room. Right. You get in the room. Yeah. I didn't have no major role at Hot 97, but I was I was the only extra person there. There was a producer, a board op, Flex, and me. And I right. got to hear all the stories and learn all the lessons and take my lumps, you know, and it, it made me. You know, I'll tell you something, and, 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 and this is something that, you know, a lot of people don't understand. When, when, when an when a iconic individual feels comfortable enough to relax and talk, you know what I mean? And, and, and talk about their experiences. You know, yeah. uh, uh, like you said, like you, you, Isaac Hayes. I mean, I could only Yo. imagine Yo, what crazy. it was like to hear Isaac Black Moses, yeah. <laughs> to hear him talk about stacks and, you know, uh, uh, that whole situation, man, coming up in that Otis, all the people that he knew, man. Yeah, but but those are the those are the stories he would tell on air. No, yeah, in the hallway of the radio station, they That's would tell the, the backstage. Yo, you know, um, you know, Otis Redding took took a couple shots at James Brown. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. I'm like, what? You like, see what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. That that to me, man, is 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 one of the great things about having that ability. Because see, and like you said, uh, uh, an intern or somebody who is there, you know, for somebody's bidding, basically, people don't really understand. There's an art to that. That's why it's, it's interesting that you're 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 getting you're now in the in the, in 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 a point because a, a a place to teach it because yeah. a lot of times you either you either come in with it. Or you don't, and that's why a lot of interns don't last because they, they don't, don't understand. Yeah. Right? They don't understand. I was a bit of an intern too coming up because uh, my dad was a, a recording engineer, so I was kind of like his 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 intern, you know, right. as a kid. Studio. And yeah. so, right, so there was a lot of jazz guys that would come around, but you got to know how to be invisible. You know what yeah. I mean? Almost, but you know how to be. You you, you got to know how to be present, but also invisible. So, so that that's pretty deep, man. But now, yeah, like now, you got to learn. You got to learn people. Like, you know, this particular jazz player loves, he needs a pack of cigarettes in the studio. And you know, this other guy needs, you know, he, he likes cold water or whatever it is. Like you start to pick that up. Wild Irish Rose, that was his thing, yeah. yeah. I, I remember being at Power Play Safe and yeah. I was the peon. And all yeah. I knew about was Chinese food, who got the best eighths? Yep. <laughs> Who got the best whatever? Go get it. Be back. Yep. Hell with a session. I didn't get to see the board for about a year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So look. So this is the thing that I, that I really want because I, I just getting into uh, the history. One of the cool things about that you show is that I find so much out about the people. Like you know, Cypher Sounds is really deep, and you going from now. We we we're talking about your radio situation, but. You know, you had a show on True TV. Tell me about this show, Rapping in Rappers in Ride. I wrote it down oh. so I wouldn't mess it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rappers in Ride. Look at you, running now. errands. Yeah, yeah. That was a that was a show. What? That was a that True TV was a was a messed up situation because when I was there, as I was getting some good headway there, um, they the company merged with. AT&T or Time Warner and it was a big deal so they got rid of a lot of stuff including me oh, wow. racist but um <laughs> but yeah we did this show and it was they had this they had this show it was called uh I forget what it's called I think it was called late night snacks and it would be just little little shows within that show and 
and we were literally joking around biting uh, Jerry Seinfeld's comedian cars, comedians in cars getting coffee. I've seen that, yes. Yeah, so, but we wanted, yeah. I wanted to show like, yo, you know, rappers are people. Like, rappers go to Home Depot, <laughs> they go to get their, their car washed, they go, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they have an assistant that might do some stuff, but sometimes you might just, they might just go do it themselves. And I was like, yo, rappers have to wash their dishes, have to do their laundry. So, so I pitched this show and we did, uh, it was all like, they were all like five minute episodes, but they loved it so much. They wanted to make it a full series. And then, and then uh, the whole merger thing happened. So we didn't get to do it, but it was fun. We had two short, um, two short brought, he brought, he went to the dry cleaner and the lady, her face lit up when she saw him. She's like, Todd, Todd. Yo, there's like, he spent like $1,000 in dry cleaning that day. Um, then Daz, I was hanging out with Daz from the Dog Pound, and he wanted to go to Lowe's because he was starting to grow his own weed, so he had to get like soil and uh, and, and some gardening tools. Oh my god! Um, that's a, it was fun, that's man. Great, yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, I, you, know, you know, like you said, go ahead. <laughs> you know, like yeah, at the beginning of the program, bro, <laughs> you was. You you was in that spot. You just talk about how you was feeling. I, I want to get back to that because you know what? Just just listening to you right now, I'm just cracking up and I'm missing your mornings, bro. I'm missing yeah, my ride yeah. to work with you, fam. Give me, give me. Yeah, I miss it. I did. Um, I always talk like Hot ninety seven was my home base. Uh, it made me. It made my name popular. Um, but inside of that. I did. I worked for different labels. I put out records. I managed. I was A and R, all that stuff. But I always kept Hot 97 first to my detriment sometimes. Um, you know, when you're so loyal, I, I I realized after I left, I was very loyal to a company that technically I was just numbers on a piece of paper. And at the end of my run. They showed me, hey, this number is not adding up right now. We're going to go ahead and let this go. But but I was so loyal. I was a soldier. And I got to the morning show. And at first, the first year, they had Big Boy from L.A. syndicated. Mm. And then we did like this pre-morning show because Ebro in his genius mind was like, no offense, we love Big Boy. He's not going to work in New York. So let me start training my next morning show early so that when it doesn't work, we don't have to scramble. Right. So we got me and Rosenberg. We're doing a show from four to four to six, I think it was. Yeah, because yeah, I had to be was. I had to be to work by uh uh I you used to be going off as I'm going in. Yeah, yeah. We it was torture. It was torture. But then eventually the big boy thing didn't really work out the way they wanted, and then we we got moved up and it was like a time. I don't even know if the show would work now. The show was a black, a Puerto Rican and a Jew. And then, oh, that's oh, what was oh, what oh, was oh. funny. Yo, that was what it was. The Just billboard the, the, the views. The billboard was a black, a Puerto Rican and a Jew walking to a radio station. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, my God. And the, and the point was the point was to show the multicultural 
element of New York City and how all of us live together, but we might have certain little different views on things. Right. And and you know, so we it's me a Puerto Rican, but I'm a, I'm Puerto Rican, but I don't speak Spanish. Like I'm New York Rican. Like I don't have I don't feel ties to Puerto Rico, my roots. Like I'm I'm five percent of like so I'm Puerto Rican, but I got all black knowledge and right. and and I listen, I could break it down how Puerto Ricans are Africans, you know what I'm saying? Or most of them. And then and, and they don't tell us that since it's Black History Month, they don't tell us that because they don't want us to uh all come together. You know what I mean? They want us to have that divide. You know what I'm saying? Because as long as we're fighting each other, they could go and do whatever they want with rule the world. So anyway, uh, then we had a black girl, and then we had Rosenberg, who was a Jewish kid, but you know, uh, he was the white guy. And then we'd have other guests on the show. And man, the stuff we talked about, I think now would make what I call woke whiteies cringe. <laughs> you know the woke whiteies? Oh, talk about it. What's the woke? Come on, go ahead. The woke Yeah, the white people that the white people that mean well, they mean well. They're woke. They they. I'm listening. I I'm hear learning. you now. I, what are you I trying hear to say? You. I hear you. I understand. And I'm like, Ugh, we've been telling you this forever, lady. But but the woke whiteies, when you say like. It's really weird, like these white, and I have nothing against white people. I have nothing against nobody. Just telling how it is. There's now these young white girls that live in what used to be the hood. I used to have to drive Big Cap home after the Palladium. I used to have to drop him off, drop him off on Franklin and Nostrand in Brooklyn. It was not a sexy vibe on Franklin and Nostrand. I would drop him off, lock my doors, and get on the highway. And now I know all these people that are from Minnesota and Kansas, and they're like, oh, my God, I live on Franklin and Nostrand. There's a beautiful um, a gluten-free unicycle shop right on the corner, and it's, it's lovely. But then <laughs> they cringe when we say certain things that, is what we're used to saying. You know what I mean? Like, I know there's different terms. I say black. Some people say African-American. The reason why I don't like African-American is because this this podcast is way too deep. I'm sorry. No, nah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, got my, I got my shovel outside. Let's go. Go ahead. The reason why I don't like African-American because some white people use that term to replace the word black. And a Jamaican is not an African-American. A Trinidadian is not an African-American. They might be, if you want to use the term African hyphen blank, they would be an African Trinidadian or African Jamaican or a black guy that comes from London. Right. He's not African. Idris Elba is not African-American. Nope. He was just dropped off for sugar or, or, or spice or liquor somewhere earlier. That's all. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, so when I say, you know, you know, black people, this black people, that like, well, excuse me, sir, the term is African American. I'm like, no, my, he's Jamaican. So black would be a universal term if he's black, because there are white Jamaicans too. 
So, so, and then also like, you know, the N word is, a, is always a touchy subject. And I say the N word in a, on a regular basis in a hip hop slang sense where I don't even realize I'm saying it where white people will cringe. Like I do stand-up comedy and I have an N-word joke and white people will, will take a step back. Like, can you say that? So I have a joke. I go, I have what, the part of my joke. Yeah, is yeah I'm going to say tell a joke. Like I don't even realize like, you know, the politically correct way to say it is N-word, but I use the word in my normal everyday vernacular. I might even say something crazy like, yo, that nigga said the N-word. That don't make sense at all. <laughs> but to me, it's not the same thing. Right. So, and this white girl asked me the other day, a friend of mine, she's a white woody, a white, a, a woke whitey. She goes, yeah, I love that. She goes, I know in New York, Puerto Ricans can say it, but do you ever get, um, <clears throat> does anyone ever out of town treat you a different way when you, when you say that? And I go, no, because my essence is pure. Like you could hear the hip hop in me. You, I could go to any hood anywhere and you know, I'm authentic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and if I ever did get in trouble, maybe there's an ignorant dude that's like, yo, you, you Mexicans can't say that. Like, yeah, Mexicans can't say it. You get out of here, Mexicans. Well, Puerto Ricans, we Caribbean. Um, I'll start okay. breaking down. I'll start breaking down uh, African uh, diaspora and slaves were dropped off in the Caribbean first. The Caribbean was the hub. <laughs> and right. okay, so so our slave owners were white people from Spain and your slave owners were white people from England. So it makes us different. You know what I mean? My grandfather, yeah. my grandfather is a black man or was rest in peace a black man like right. not i i don't know I, yeah you call him puerto rican because that's where he was born and he speaks spanish but he was a black person you know what i mean yeah he so, had he so, had dark so skin cypher, uh, he had dark skin yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, so so cypher since since we on this subject how do you feel about uh the the, the country singer mm. that just got censored and they stopped his music and stuff like that just from saying he didn't really call you know, a black person, the N word, but he he was talking to his other boys. How yeah. do you feel about somebody else using that word? Is it is it cool or what do you, what do you think, man, about that? Uh, like emotionally, Ooh. emotionally, no, it's not cool. Emotionally, no, it's not cool. Logically, it's just a word. So when so, what, I don't know this whole story, but I'm assuming. It might have been said in a hateful way. Uh, was it said in a hateful way? No, but basically, uh, looked like they had been hanging out. I saw it on TMZ. They had been hanging out for the night. They had been drinking, of course. And his friends dropped him off. And as he was walking into his crib, he turned around and he said, yo, my niggas, you know, do yeah, y'all take care, blah, 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 blah. And somebody just happened to be filming. They said, oh, yeah, he used the N-word, blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's crazy, man. I mean, I don't. Yeah, that one is rough because was he saying it as a joke? Do they call I, each other like it's not right? But should he lose his career? No, no. I, mean, I, I think exactly. I, I, I think what's going on, man, and I've seen this happen a lot of times. It's funny we talk about this. Is that <clears throat> I, um, here's the deal: 
the white people have been exposed to the word uh, 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 way more. It's become a, a part of their thought process. Back in the day, it used to be a really bad thing in the white world. You follow yeah. me? It was like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, black person is a nigga, da 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 da. Yeah. But because, and 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 I'm and I got a, I'm a part of this because of the the red the the, the, the uh, eclipse of hip hop music. Uh-huh, and, and the usage of it, yeah. And the usage of it, and the and and who's listening? Who were the people that drove hip hop music? It sure mm-hmm. wasn't the black community. Mm-hmm. It was the white community that made hip hop this multi-trillion dollar business. Pop off, yeah. Speak. Yeah. Bottom line. Bottom line. That's what happened. Okay. R and B has never did ne- never did R and B never saw the hit the heights until white people got a hold of it. Okay. Right. Same thing happened with rap music. It yeah. was a black thing, a, 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 a black thing, people of color. And then once white white world got a hold of it, it became a whole nother thing. But, and, and I'm gonna tell this, but what happens is uh, they say it because they feel like it's a term of endearment because we say it to us, each other. And they've been listening to it since they were kids. I'm gonna tell this story real quick. Henry, you remember this. We were in Virgin Megastore in Paris. We were promoting this record yeah. that we did with Bob Sinclair. Okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So we're you sitting to, in there. You didn't have to flex on me like that, Paris. Oh, <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, you was on Champ Alize. Champ Alize. The Champ Alize. Say it right. No. You <laughs> was on Champ Alize. I got it. Go ahead. Got it. Got it. So the kid comes in. Okay. Excited to meet Master G, Sugar Hill Gang, yep. his dad, this, that, and the other thing. He gets in front of me, Bob Sinclair sitting on one side of me, Hendog sitting on the other side of me. It's a room full of uh, French people. And the kid says, what's up, my nigga? To me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, he says that. Yeah. Now, you got to understand. And I had to, for <laughs> a second, my thought was jump over the table yeah. and excuse my French, whoop his ass. Yeah. Because he got me confused. But then I had to stop. Because he felt like, because he's he's a French kid who's probably never been to America, never got in front of a black people, his friends have been listening to all kind of hip hop where all everybody's it, yep. talking to each other in that phrase. So he felt like the best way to connect with me mm-hmm. was to say, "What's up, my nigga?" Yeah, right. That's the that's where we're at when it comes to that situation they really don't understand especially what if your parents are 100% not racist that's what i'm saying your parents are not racist whatsoever support black music business whatever not racist no racist bone in their body and you love hip-hop and you're listening to it all day all night how would you know that word is bad from that's my point from the music, you know what I mean? And like, and then that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother situation because that was in Europe. So that's a whole different yeah. history. How yeah. would you know the word is bad? You know, you growing up at, growing up in Red Hood, I got I had white friends, Italian friends, and everybody just speaking. And when yeah. you're just saying stuff on you just having a conversation, if, if it drops, it drops, but ain't nobody turning around looking at you crazy. But if you go now, you now you 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 a city dude. So you've been in different sections of the city, and if a whole group of what you call them woke whiteies, <laughs> woke whiteies, <laughs> if, if they up in the in a in a room, 
I've listened to a whole group of white people calling each other my nigga. Yeah. I've, no, those I've were, heard those it. Wouldn't be, and, and, those wouldn't be woke whiteies. Those no, are just whiteies. No. <laughs> those are just whiteies. Woke whiteies don't say that anyway, but yeah. But but it, 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 it lands to the same thing. I, it, it, I went to high school in Long Island, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. I went. My mom got a promotion. We had to move to Long Island. I was in a, a very white and Italian high school in Levittown, Long Island. And nope. yeah. those white kids loved <laughs> hip hop. But they were also like New York Italian kids in the 90s that, you know what I mean? They're kind of racist. The parents were definitely racist. But they would say the N-word freely in a, in a conversational way. But then also sometimes I would, see, I would hear them say it in a hateful way. Like, oh, those, those fucking niggas from Baldwin better not come over here. You know what I mean? And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is, you can't. There's, you can't you you can't choose them both now. Yeah, there's time yeah. and place, and there's and, and the, yeah. the, <coughs> excuse me, any word used with hateful intent behind it is not acceptable. It's, you know what I mean? Bad. Right, exactly. And exactly. From 11 to 12th grade in the summertime is when I get knowledge of self. I go from Luis Diaz and DJ Astro to God Cipher Islam Allah, and I came back woo, with pins. On my vest, Jesus was black. Black man is God. Asalamu alaikum. Yo, they were like, what happened to this guy over the summer, yo? And then I was on a, you know, when you first get knowledge yourself, you on a rampage. Yeah. You know, I'm, 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 my thing was Malcolm X, the autobiography of Malcolm X is what woke me up from my childhood cocoon. That's what made me yeah. a man. Yeah. And, but now I'm reading Malcolm. I'm reading uh, Elijah Muhammad, I'm listening to Farrakhan, but Brand Nubian and Rakim are saying the same words. They, I didn't know Nation of Islam and 5% Nation was, was different, but to me, it was all kind of to get Brand Nubian is, but Brand Nubian was speaking more 5% of stuff and they were talking about coming to the Allah school in Mecca. So that's why I would went and get knowledge yourself and I came back and I treated the, those white kids very different. <laughs> Very different. Yeah. It was not. Cypher, they were not happy with me. Cipher, I, 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 I got intel. You a non-drinker like me? Is, is that, that yeah. true? Yeah, I never. I, yeah, I, I, I can't. Diamond there's, is my. There's resident. more, y'all. Hold on, hold on, hold on, man, hold on. <laughs> Diamond is my resident alcoholic and and uh -huh. abuse individual. Uh -huh. So <laughs> it, now I, I, I have this experience everywhere I go. Again, and I will flex a little. Being that I am a world traveler. And yeah. that, you know, I run yeah, into yeah, people yeah, all the yeah. time and, the, you know, hey, you know, come on, man, let's, let's buy you a drink. And yeah. I'm like, uh, I don't drink. Like, what, what do you mean? Do you have any experience like that? I mean, you what? travel, you go. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. Me. Wait, did, me you, you did you ever drink and then you stopped? No. Or you never, you no. never did? No, no, no. Have you ever had a drink at all, even by accident? No. Yes. One time yeah. somebody. We tried. Came, and, and, yeah, one time I had somebody gave me a because I, I what I do is I order a cranberry juice. I say, okay, right. well, just give me a cranberry juice, and then I can leave it on the table, and it looks like most people think it's, it's cranberry, so it's cranberry yeah, and vodka. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. and so I, I asked for one one time, and the cat bought me the drink, and when I took the sip, it was like, oh, right. this is alcohol, yeah. you know. So that yeah, yeah that I've happened had, to like, me once. I've had like five of those. <laughs> I've had five of those. Like, well, my first drink was a. A sip of a forty in eighth grade, like this okay. is, you know, 
I don't know, 91 or whatever. 40 ounces in every rap song. So my, my boy's brother bought us a 40. We were like, we got a 40. Took one sip. It was like, ugh, this is disgusting. This is what you rap about? This disgusting elixir in my mouth. So yeah, I never drank. And then it's um, like Lay's potato chips. You just can't have one. <laughs> yeah, I never drank again. And then um, and then a couple times I was DJing and I might have grabbed the wrong drink. I was like, well, that's not mine. You know what I mean? But yeah, <laughs> the non-drinking thing is like, you know, in our world, is liquor everywhere, backstage, <laughs> at the bar, at the club. The promoters want to buy you drinks. The people want to buy you drinks. And like, it depends on where I'm at. I got a couple of tricks. I do, when we do shots, I always grab, like, you know, when they bring a tray of shots. Now, this is if like, you know how it is, G, like, it's annoying to explain why you don't drink and you just want to just go on with your night. Yes. So they bring a tray of shots. I always make sure I grab one first. And while everyone's grabbing theirs, I whoop, throw mine over the shoulder. <laughs> well, well, side, oh, what's, the, what's, what's the wildest? <laughs> what's the wildest story you can share with us where you were actually sober and everybody else around you was just oh, tore up? They were just no, no, no. out of sloppy. <laughs> I'll tell you a recent one, and this is this is the this is why this is another reason why I don't drink now. Like, or I never started. Everyone's get like we're all having fun, right? We I I, I roll with Dave Chappelle, not to name drop, just telling you a story. I roll with Dave Chappelle. Uh, I do DJ for him and I do comedy with him. And we was in Denver. And the we go to this bar, closes at two. Dave is like, come on, keep it open for us. Keep it open. We're there till like four or five o'clock. Now, what happens is everybody starts getting drunk and I start noticing everyone's fun starts to go like this. Up, 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 up. But the shit they're saying is not that funny. They're just so drunk, they think they're having the best time, right? So it's like, yo. And then the girl said, flocka laka. And everybody's like, ah, flocka laka laka. Ah. <laughs> and I'm sober. I'm like, that's not funny. Yeah, I'm like, why did she say flocka laka? I don't get it. I don't understand. Right. So then it's like, I start seeing what I like to call some undesirable start coming into the club that we were in, the little bar. And like security was like, you know, people started saying, hey, yo, Dave Chappelle's here, bring your demo, you know what I mean, or whatever. So I see the door that's supposed to be locked. I see a couple of goons start coming in. So I just go, hey, Dave, it's time to go. This is like four o'clock. Dave goes, Cypher. <laughs> Cypher, it's annoying to you. But it's the time of the lives to them. I was like, okay, fair point. <laughs> Five o'clock, there's like goons in there. I'm like, Dave, it's time to go. He's like, fine, grandma. So we're all drunk. I'm walking them out. We all get to the, it's like six of us. We get to the car. Everybody's like, where's Donnell? Where's Donnell? Ashley Larry, Donnell Rowling. I'm like, oh, he must still be inside. So. I run inside. He's in the woman's bathroom. Oh. Sitting on the toilet. Not not his pants are on, but he's just sitting on the toilet. And there's about 10 guys around him with cameras oh. making him say shit oh. from the Chappelle show. Oh. Say I'm rich, bitch. 
Say I'm Rick, say I'm Rick James. I'm like, Rick James is not even his line. Yo, I have to grab him and drag him out. He's like, chill, chill. I'm doing drops. I'm doing drops. I'm like, drops? <laughs> they were making you say <laughs> But yeah, I'm a master. Yo. I go, well, I do. I go to the bar. I'll give the bartender $20. I go, remember my face. Anytime I ask for a drink, give me a mm-hmm. seltzer. Give me a seltzer, but put it in, because you know when they give you a seltzer, they put it in a tall glass. I'm like, mm. put it in a short glass, make it look like a drink. And I just mm. stick, I just hold that, yeah, all day. Yeah, it, but it, then, it's amazing. Go ahead. But the bartender, yeah. it's like a game now. Like, they're right. in it with you. You know, like, oh, that's right. the guy, yeah. you know. It, it, it's incredible how awkward people get when they, at first they don't believe you. Because when, yeah. when you first say it, they're like, yeah, okay, whatever, sure. But then they watch you for a period of time and they're like, oh shit, he's not drinking. <laughs> One, some either they think you used to drink and you had a problem and you quit. So now right. they feel guilty drinking around you. Yeah. They might not say that. But that's they might what not it say is. That. Or if you're not drinking, they start self-reflecting like, oh, I just look like <laughs> a drunk. T-. So that's, that's the only reason why I fake it sometimes because like, I don't want to ruin your fun. I'm not against alcohol. Like, please go drink. Same thing. I just don't. Yeah, I just don't drink. My my, yeah. my favorite is watching them when they get mad. What, what, what's the matter? You too good to drink with me? Yeah, 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 what, yeah, what's the matter? Yeah, yeah. What's the matter? Yeah, yeah, I see yeah. that a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, I get that too. Hey, look, yeah. man, I, I I love this thing. I was again, you know, I was doing a lot of uh, 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 history checking, fact checking on oh, you. Uh, not you. not checking, not checking, but I I, I mean it like digging like listening because i really wanted to know about you you know because yeah, part of, part of this show for me part of this show for me is the opportunity to finally meet the people that you know our music yeah. has had an influence on you know that's one this yeah. is one of the greatest joys of doing this whole thing so uh you 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 got something going on what's the sucker free thing man i i you got alicia i got alicia keys down here sucker free in 2003 i mean damn dog what Yo, what, what have you not done? I don't, I don't, I never. What I never, you don't do? I never, <laughs> I never got like one big hit yet to like make everyone oh, know just me. Several. But I there's a lot, a lot of little hits, and trust me, I'm content with my life. I'm having a great time. So I was on MTV. Uh, they they auditioned me for MTV. I got a job, and it was a show called Direct Effect, which was like the rap, the you know the hip hop VJ show, whatever. Gotcha. And then somehow they they created this hip hop brand. Anything hip hop going through MTV, they called Sucker Free. So there was a show Sucker Free Sundays, which was DJ Envy show, and then mm-hmm. they gave me the show called Sucker Free, which is the weekday show. But the reason why it did so good for me, and that's one of the things that led me to do comedy, because it was more my personality, not just my DJ skills, you know? Which is evident. (laughs) And Man, thank you. And I just was like, really, I was doing an impression of my mom, because my mom is so sarcastic. So I was treating it like, like when I told my mom I was a DJ, she was like, what you do, weddings? Like she didn't get it. She was like, <laughs> oh, when I came home, when I came home at 17, I was like, I'm telling a Puerto Rican mother, I was like, Whoa. yo, I don't eat pork anymore. 
I'm five percenter. She's like, oh really? So okay. So you, so you just not gonna eat tonight, huh? So you just not gonna eat? I'm like, mom, you have to feed me. She goes, pork chops is for dinner. <laughs> I did my job. If you choose not to eat it, so, so when when guests used to come on the sucker free, I never, like, I it was always respectful, and a lot of them already knew me from radio, but I wasn't doing the typical. So when's your single coming out? You know what I mean? Like I was like kind of poking them and people used to love it. People used to be like, yo, I can't believe you talk to Nas like that. And Nas was like, he knew how I was. He, I met him many times and he knew how I was on the radio. So from that, they got me to like uh, sometimes fill in or co-host on, on TRL, which was like, you know, the yeah. big pop flagship show. Yeah, yeah. I remember, and, and it was usually when there was someone urban coming on the show. So, like, I interviewed Snoop in, on TRL. Um, and Snoop, uh, Will Smith, and Jamie Foxx. All three mm. of them. All three of them. Like, this is, like, a big deal to me. Like, all three of them in one way or another, I'm interviewing them and talking to them, and they were like, yo, you funny, bro. Like, like Will Smith said, yo, do you do stand-up? <laughs> and I'm like, nah, I just, you know, I just do this. He was like, yo, you should do stand-up. You should look wow. into that. Yeah, and that's already when Dave told me years ago to do, because I was on the Chappelle show, too. And Dave told me, he's like, yo, you fun. We used to do warm-ups together, get the crowd warmed up. He was like, yo, you should do stand-up. So all that yeah, led wow. to, like, but Will Smith I, and yeah. Jamie Foxx, like. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. So, 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 uh, Cypher, I, I have a question for you. Uh, yeah, it's a, it, it's a podcast. Is it, it, is it any way that you, uh, that was a good one. I like that. <laughs> is it, uh, do you prepare differently uh, for DJing or to do comedy or is oh. it the same routine that you get ready to do both or great. Is it different how you prepare? Great question. Uh, it's funny. He, he's a, he's uh, a host of a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this guy, this guy. Everybody this wants guy to be a comedian. Uh, <laughs> Um, it's funny because my DJ skills helped me move up the comedy ladder a lot faster than somebody who just started from scratch. Mm. Uh, timing is everything. So, you know, a good DJ when they play the right song at the right time or cut off a song at the right moment. Yes. Nowadays, especially there's a lot of DJs. You can buy equipment. You can download all the music onto your laptop and you can be a DJ. But do you have the talent? Do you have the rhythm? Do you have the, the art of it? Um, so comedy, I was already used to talking on the mic. Uh, I read a room, doing a club in the hood and doing a corporate event. Yes, I'm going to play a lot of the same records. But how I play them and when I play them I read the room. I'm like, there's a lot of there's a lot of corporate white people here. I'm gonna start off with, you know, Grease and Kenny Loggins and Phil Collins, and then work my way up to hip hop when everyone's a little saucy. You walk into the hood, it's like, oh, I'm gonna get right to this, this uh, you know, fabulous or Biggie and Tupac or or even the new stuff, you know, Migos or whatever. So that's the same thing with comedy, like a hood room where it's like all black people from the hood or some, you know, red rocks in Denver, which is like hippie white people, you know, 
I'm going to give them the same jokes because that's what that's what my jokes are. But like uh, delivery matters. Uh, placement, you know, what I mean, like I'm not going to start off with my eating vagina joke because that's going to throw people off. But in the hood, you got to bang them right up top. Yeah. In the hood, when you walk into a black room and you got talent and Capone and Tommy Davidson and Bill Bellamy just ripping, you got to come in and go, what? Or you lose them. Right. White rooms, you got to ease them in because they're like, oh, is, am I going to get offended tonight? Like, you got to ease them in. But all that comes from DJing. So, like, yeah, and then also, like, putting a set together. Mm-hmm. Like, before I DJ, I, I get on my laptop and I go, all right, I'm going to play some of this. I'm not exact, the exact order, but the vibes. I'm going to do this right. vibe. Gotcha. I'm going to do gotcha. this vibe. Gotcha. And this vibe. And then in the moment, I might have to call an audible and switch it all up. But this, Always, but baby. I, but I know I have a something prepped. Same thing hey. with comedy. I write my sets Always. out. I'm going to start with uh, my Puerto Rican jokes. I'm going to start with my Corona jokes. I'm going to no. And then I get there and the guy before me ends with a Corona joke. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, let me not, let me not do right. that. It's kind of similar. Yeah. Oh, switch it up. Michael Che, um, Michael Che from Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. Um, I toured with him a lot. He taught me a lot because he doesn't believe in uh, closers. You know, a mm. lot of comedians build up to that closer. Mm-hmm. Michael Che is like, every joke should be a closer. Mm. So one night I'm doing my, uh, a couple of nights on the road, I'm doing my set every, every night the same way because this, this is the set that works. And he goes, yo, he goes, yo, you, 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 you putting yourself, painting yourself in a corner. He goes, if something goes wrong and it throws you off, you're going to be messed up. So he goes, yo, do your set backwards. I was like, what? I said, no, because I'm feeling like I open for you. I don't want the room to be messed up before you get on. He's like, I don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) He really doesn't. He doesn't care about nothing. So he's like, do your set backwards. Start with your opener and close with your, uh, yes, no. No, start with your closer and then end with your opener. And close with your opener. First time I did it, it was a it was a mess. It was a mess. Wow. It was horrible. Next right. show, way better. And he was just like, any one of those jokes should be able to be moved and, and, and have a great ending so it could be your quote-unquote closer. Mm, like, I'm, lucky, I'm, I'm blessed to be around these guys, you know? That's when, you, when you start how, a, how do you, you Go ahead, D. I'm sorry. No, when you start a site, you know, like, Everybody's funny, you know. Like they say, "Oh, Diamond, you funny," but I wouldn't stand up on a stage. That's a that's a completely different animal 100%. trying to stand there and hold yeah. a mic and make people laugh because <clears throat> a person is coming to a comedy show with yo motherfucker better make me laugh. Yeah, you better make me laugh, and they damn mad before they, before they yeah, start, except the for the other folks. Yeah. So how do you how do you make that transition, fam? The what I tell people is being funny. And being a comedian is two different things. We all know funny people. We all are. I mean, you can't be in this game. We know some dudes who are not funny. They're just straight gangsters. But even a lot of gangsters are funny. But doing comedy is completely different. Now, being funny helps you. Because I know some comedians who were not funny, who were not class clowns, who were not the center of attention. But their minds scribe very thoughtful, funny jokes. 
Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily have to be what we call funny to be a comedian, but um, but yeah, it's two different things. So like your 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 uncle that's always making everyone laugh at the Thanksgiving table most likely can't do stand up. You know what I mean? It's a you know, different and, and the thing the thing that people don't understand and 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 just just performing period, you know, like a lot of people will say, I know all the lyrics to rappers are like I know yeah. I can sing like I can sing like Alicia Keys. I mean, that that's not a big thing. And you might even have a nice little kind of karaoke level yeah. ability. It's funny you that, say that. Yeah. It, you know, it, the, the, I tell them, when you're doing something on an amateur level and you're you doing something on a professional level, the difference between singing in your be, in your living room and singing in front of 20,000 people yeah. is night and day. When you're in the yeah. pros, when you behind, when when it's going down, and this is for all the marbles, and you know you got to hold the crowd, and you got to maintain it. it, it, it the reason why is the reason why it's a very select few of people that do what we do, because yeah. when it's time to deliver, you better have your you better have your act together. You know what I mean? Absolutely. 100%. So, so it's like for that. right here, I, I, I I'm gonna flip the script. Do you have any Sugar Hill Gang question? Do you have any questions for Sugar Hill? Man, okay, why is, why is, like, you know the movie Sugar Hill? Yes. Is Sugar Hill in Harlem? <laughs> yes. Because Sugar Hill Records is from Jersey. Okay. Help so me here's the, figure here's, that out. I will, okay, so. Uh, I mean, I've lost here. sleep for years over this. I'm getting ready to hit you it. I'm getting ready to turn you on. Don't worry, I got you. So, Sylvia, Sylvia Robinson, she yeah. was from Harlem. Uh-huh. Sugar Hill, the Sugar Hill district is still in Harlem today. Mm-hmm. But yep. the Sugar Hill district was an affluent part of Harlem. Right. Like everybody with some real money and the fly people or whatever, they all lived in the Sugar Hill district. So that was very near and dear to her. So when she moved out to Jersey, she 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 had a label over there and they wanted to change the name. So first of all, she changed it because the IRS was looking for all platinum. That was the first reason why they had to change uh-huh. the name. And because they didn't want to stop making all this new money and then have them come and find out it was the same company. That was the first thing. The second one is that she wanted That's to give it. this whole hello. The second one was she wanted to give this whole thing a new uh, uh, a moniker. So because Sugar Hill was regal to her, she always and bless her heart. Now I'm gonna give her props. Now she always wanted to establish us as royalty. Royalty recording artists, royalty individuals. And she said, okay, I will name you guys the Sugar Hill Gang. Now, the gang part, I was a little iffy on because I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I grew up as a, you know, like kind of like a, a New York kid that moved out to Jersey. And so, gang word, the word gang to me was like, oh, shoot, I don't want to be yeah. considered a gang. But I went with it and it worked out. So, yeah. So, the reason why she, the reason why it's Sugar Hill in New Jersey is because. She came from New York, and a lot of people from New York moved to that part of Jersey. And none of you are from Harlem. Now, I was born in Medical Center in Manhattan, okay? And I lived in that whole... My mother had me when I was... She, my mother had me when she was like 16 years old. So I lived oh, in Brooklyn. Yeah, I lived too. in the Bronx. You know, so you know what I'm talking about. So she lived in Brooklyn and Queens. So I moved around for the first five or six years of my life in the New York area. When my mother met my stepdad in 68, you know what happens back in the day, like you said, like when you live in Harlem or you're in like Brooklyn or whatever, you go to Jersey. So Harlem, everything from Brooklyn 
back to, you know, Manhattan, the, the people made a little money, they moved out to Jersey. Everything from the Queen side, you know, on in that area, kind of the Bronx, whatever, a lot of people went to Long Island. So Long we Island. came to Jersey. So that's yeah. how we ended up in Teaneck. Now, my grandparents lived in Mount Vernon and my other grandparents lived in Brooklyn. So my whole life is spent in the New York metropolitan area. Yeah. But I'm originally from New York. Yeah. Yeah. So and Hank is from the Bronx. Hank was born. Hank lived in the Bronx. He was from he's from the Bronx. He lived in the Bronx. And the only person that wasn't really from our area was Mike. But he was born in Newark, but then he moved out and then he came back. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Weird, so right? Now, no, that's a typical New York movement around, <laughs> but it's just Sugar Hill is always like the uh, I always wondered why. I mean, that's basically what I figured, but it's better when you say it. Um, what about like back then, way back when you guys were just a little young bucks rhyming over Chic? I remember when I first heard Chic Good Times, I was like, yo, they stole Sugar Hill. Because <laughs> I heard it after, you know what I mean? Right. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people think that. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. now it's different because now we know about samples and like, you can look right. stuff up on the internet real easily, but I remember right. I was like, why are they, why is somebody singing over the Rapper's Delight? <laughs> um, so back then, there was no blueprint. There was no blueprint, like, the way we have now. Like, how were you, what, what were you doing to come up with routines to make it hip-hop when there was no hip-hop? What made it hip-hop? Like, what was your inspiration? That's a good question, Cycle. Like, like, um, like, like, you know, because you were doing the routines on stage. Yeah. Well, Where see, were you getting that from? Uh, I was getting it from Michael Jackson. I was getting it from the Commodores. I was getting it from Earthling and Fire. I was getting it from Rufus and Chaka Khan, the Ohio players. So my whole background, jazz, a lot of jazz artists, my whole background was funk and jazz. Uh-huh. And so, and Mike's was the same thing. And then Hank was just kind of in there. So, and then Sylvia was an R&B producer. So right. everything that we did, and then here's, here's the other thing. We had, we had the great opportunity of not having to go by what was out there. You see, right. being the right. first, yeah. you set the, you set the, you, you're the trendsetter. You, yeah. you, you're the one. So anything that we did was hip hop. You know what I mean? Because the world was getting their their dose of our music from us. So we did what we saw. My, my whole thing was, one of the things I did was, uh, Elvis was like, I was blown away by how much, you know, people, the women love Elvis. So I, my whole thing was like, I was the black Elvis. You know, that was my whole thought process. When I came out on stage, I wore the costumes and everything and I moved, I even tried so to you move. Re, you re-stole black culture from Elvis. Quickly, he stole it, and you restole Ring it. Ring the bell. And I took it back, and I took it back. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, so that 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 that's always the thing that's cool about being the beginning. You know, yeah. there you can you can set the you set the tone. Right. You know, you're the first of your kind. You know, so that's the whole thing. Anything we did, any steps we did on stage, any any lyrics, any songs, anything that we did was the beginning of hip hop because we're the beginning of commercial hip hop. Right. So now I'm listening to stories from Red Alert, from mm. Bugsy, you know, Bugsy. Mm. Yes. Um, yes. I'm listening, like, this is all years and years of just compiling stories and Bugsy and um, 
who else used to be a hot 97? I mean, not Kiss FM. Uh, uh, what's what's um, my man name? Bob oh, Slade. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. I think you got it. Yeah, Bob Slade. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah. Uh, and and Tume used to have a show on. Tunes. Uh, on That's So, crazy. like, from what I hear or what I heard, black radio wasn't 100% supportive in the beginning of, of Rappers Delight. No. How did that feel? Um, you know, we knew that, oh, I knew that it was completely, uh, before it's time. I knew that, I knew what we were doing was unheard of. I knew that, you know, it, it was a street thing. You know, I, I didn't think that Rappers Delight was going to be as, as successful as it became. Right. I thought it was just going to be a, a thing that would play on a few stations in New York and it would be popular in the New York Clubs. metropolitan area. Yeah. No, New York metropolitan, Connecticut, New, you know, New York metropolitan, Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York. Yeah. I thought it was going to be popular kind of on a street level here yeah. and there on a few radio stations. So, you know, because of the fact that uh, 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 it wasn't a, it wasn't an accepted form of music, right? they weren't messing with it. And the only reason why radio stations finally had no choice was because uh, it was a station called WKTU, 92 mm-hmm. WKTU. Yep. KTU was the first station to go on Rabbit Delight. And a it dan- was an upstart. Which was a dance station. And it was a dance station. That's right. right. But and it was an upstart station. Right. It was an upstart station. BLS was the juggernaut by the, at that time. Yeah. Frankie Crocker. Yep. Frankie rest Crocker, in peace. Yep. Yeah, rest in peace, Frankie Crocker. And so KTU ended up blowing BLS off the map because they were the only place that you could go to to hear Rabbit Delight. Wow. And officially and eventually, it's just like anything else, BLS had no choice. You have to, you have no choice, yeah. In order to even, so, you know, they, they, yeah. So the people from BLS thought, like, they probably felt weird, like, oh, they stole chic good times, and, like, they're just rapping, they're just talking street stuff on there. No, Frankie Crocker wasn't into it. He was, he, he like, you know, you know, Frankie Crocker was the man of BLS. Of course. I mean, he called all the shots. He called yeah. everything, anything that went down on BLS. Frankie Crocker called those shots. And Frankie Crocker actually was a personal friend of my family's. And so he was actually what I was aspiring to be before I started yeah. making records. I wanted to be Frankie Crocker. Well, the next the Frankie people Crocker. that owned at that time, the people that owned BLS were like, then they also own the Apollo. Mm-hmm. Or, something like that. I forget which family, I forgot the name of the family, but yeah. It was so really Frankie well Crocker just family. didn't like it. He didn't want a parts of it. No. So he refused Why? to play it. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, you know, Frankie was a traditional music person, you know, right. you know, there I go, there I go, there yeah. I go. He was into, you know, that, that traditional Nat King Cole and all of that, you know, traditional yeah. uh, soul music and et cetera. And then all the music moving forward. So this rap thing to him was like, I'm not messing with that. You know, and Frankie was so fly and he was classy and the whole yeah. nine yards. And he saw that as like, as, 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 as G rated as, as Rabbit's Delight is, he saw that as some triple X rated straight I mean. hood, yeah, black, it was like hood, yeah. you know, right? And, and and so he refused to deal with it until he had no but choice. You was know? he okay? So Rappers Delight was was the first record to mm-hmm. be played to blow up and basically create what we now call hip hop, um, as far as like singles and radio and all that stuff. But hip hop was going on 
before mm-hmm. that. In the clubs, live tapes, routines, you know, park jams, all that stuff. So did those guys, Frankie Crocker and all those powers that be, did they know about all that street stuff going on? No. They had no they, clue. They didn't even know. No. They didn't even know it existed. Their first, radio's first experience with rap music and rappers was Michael Wright, Guy O'Brien, and Henry Jackson. That was their first experience, period. That made that made them be like, well, well where is this? Where did this even come from? Right. And then they started delving into it. And now, if you were a person in New York and you were a young individual and you hung out in Harlem and you hung out in the Bronx or you whatever, then yes, right. you heard you knew about Hurricane, you knew about the block parties and you yeah. knew about those things. But your what you listened to on the streets and what you listened to on the radio was two different worlds. Right. And, and, and you know, and and who was on the radio controlling it and who was in the streets controlling it, that was two different worlds. The streets didn't even think that rap music was ever going to get it's not to. even a radio thing yeah no it wasn't a radio thing it was it was a street thing it was a black thing it was a it was a, a puerto rican thing it was our thing you know and 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 that's what oh, was going on don't get me started on how the puerto ricans are left out of a lot of this history why are you trying to erase <laughs> our part i don't get you it guys, and that's why i'm trying to, I you don't guys get try it. to whitewash us it's disgusting no. <laughs> i'm gonna have a talk with the old school and, have, and figure this out I, I love, <laughs> hey look Puerto Rican is my hey look. I it love was, it. I feel it was like this. Yes, it was yes. hundred. It was totally intertwined. I don't know how it became. I don't know how it became. I, I mean, I Listen, do know how it became. My mother, because, my mother's half Puerto Rican and black. I'm she's I, a I, saint. I mean, Your mother's yeah, a saint. Was, you agree? I agree. I agree. She she was she was the living angel. But my point being is that nobody was taking it serious enough and nobody was able to put it together because it was going on like there was a guy named Bobby Robinson in uh in uh, uh Harlem he was putting he had a label and there was a couple other people that was trying to do it on a label level but nobody really took it and brought it to the level that it came about until Sylvia got the three of us together so right, yeah right I think so, more yeah. importantly I think more importantly Cypher is that that was just like he said. It was the street. Street stayed in the street, stayed yeah. in the parks. It's not that they didn't know about it. It was that nobody wanted no parts of it. They didn't think right. it would ever work. And then to actually watch it commercially take off, you had to catch up. So so, so you make rappers delight. The only way it's distributed is vinyl? Yes. Was there anything Absolutely. else back then? Uh, eight tracks. <laughs> was it on a track? Is there a Sugar Hill on a track? There, there are. I mean, there a, is, a rapper's delight yes. on a track. There's, there's, a, there is an a track. So it was, it was vinyl, a track, and then it was just transitioning into cassette. Right. During what that about, time, is there a, was there forty fives made back then? Twelve inch. That was the twelve inch. No forty five. No, 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 no forty five. No, no seven. That seven. That's that the, dynamic forty five. Yeah. It's the. You know, everything that's the new was the, trend right now. Everybody's going back to the forty-five. Everybody's like all of all of all of us. Not me. I'm not into it. But a lot of DJs who who used to love digging for vinyl. Mm-hmm. The new thing now is to search for for forty-fives because there was a lot of forty-fives that came out that had different versions, mm. or sometimes they weren't even on the album. They were like these exclusive things. So like that's like a big thing in the DJ world right now. Is these these hunters of forty-five. They want yeah, to they no. show up in the airports yeah. with these little tiny boxes yeah, that are yeah. about this this wide, 
You know, it, it beats the hell out of carrying that much damn oh, vinyl yeah. in it. But ain't nothing like a little <laughs> USB key yeah, and yeah, call yeah, it a yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, it was, it, again, like I said, they, it was the 12 inch, the 33 and the third 12 inch. And then there's, there, there are some eight tracks of uh, Sugar Hill music that are out there. But then it was the quick transition to the cassette, though. Yeah. Because, I mean, like right away, it was like literally right around that it was time. Ha- it was happening right then, yeah. Yeah, it was going from eight track to uh, cassette. Yeah, back in so, nineteen sixty five when yeah, Rappers wow. Delight came out. Seventy nine. Don't do me like that. Come on, man, that's crazy. Way <laughs> back in nineteen fifty two. Jumping checker put on the first record. That's bad on so many levels. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 Cypher, when, when, when you're on stage, right, when you're doing comedy, yeah. how, how do you know when to start roasting people and when not to? Uh, I'm not a good, good I'm not a good roaster. Um, no? Not really. Like, I crack a little joke. I host a lot also. Like, I'm, like, known as a good host in New York City. So, like, you got to do some crowd work. And I might throw a couple little jabs, but I want everyone to feel good. And sometimes... When you really get on somebody, it 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 changes. Some there's been times where somebody I've had some trouble with some dudes, and I have to go in on them, but it makes the room uncomfortable. Mm, and okay. if you're headlining and doing your own set, and you want to delve into that, and then nothing's gonna happen to the show. But sometimes you mess it up for the next comedian when you make the room so awkward like that. You know, gotcha. um, were you were you okay. that dude? Were you the dude like that snapped on people? Like you know, like when you're no, in the room, never. Never. like because because Mike and G in the same room, yeah, it's gonna be some hilarity, yeah, because but, they but, start but, on wait, each wait. other all day. But Don't make me ring the know, bell. Don't make me ring the no, bell, no. dude. But that's between me and and somebody that I've known since I was 17 years old. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, we yeah. got something going on between us. You know, that's just like, you know, right. Mike is my closest, he's the closest human being to me, you know, on the planet yeah. Earth next to my, my, my wife and kids, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, uh, 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 you know, Mike and I, we, we, we got to get that out. You know, I can say things about him that nobody else can say about him. Right. And the and same thing you can say. That's true. That's and true. I got, yeah, he knows uh, my bones. That's why it's funny. <laughs> nah, anyway. I, I, I never, when I was a kid, and I was known, I was known when they start snapping, I would just disappear, yo. I could not take it. I couldn't take it. <laughs> I'm not a snapper either. Yo, yo I, I was out. No. I was out. <laughs> and some guys, there's some guys I know, man, they get on that stage and they could tear through somebody. But like, I got a couple little jabs. Once it starts, like, there's a comedian named Keith Robinson. He is old school. He like, he put Kevin Hart on. He put a bunch of people on. Um, if he's oh, oh, sorry. Some some pop-up came up. Um, okay. Ke- Keith Robinson, when I walk into the Comedy Cellar, that's the club where we mostly work at before stupid Corona. Um, if he's sitting at the table, you gotta like, uh, you gotta like put on your mental armor. <laughs> And one night I walked into the club and I got a little style, yo. And a lot of these comedians, especially the ones I be around, I be a lot of around a, a lot of white comedians. The comedy sellers more of like a mainstream club. We got like mainstream and urban. That's like how we divide. I'm trying to bring it all together, but that's the divide in comedy. So I got a little, I still got my Cypher Sounds hip hop swag 
And a lot of these comedians dress like horrendously. They're bums. When I walk in, I got some white jeans on. And down the side of the, the white jeans is a like a, a checkered, black and white checkered stripe, like a racing thing. Yo, they lit into me for four hours straight. What? I was hosting the show, so I would go, they would lighten into me. I'd go on stage. I hear them still laughing in the background. I get off stage. I go back to them. They're like, come here, come here, come here. They light into me four hours straight. So I went on Instagram and I I burned the jeans and I put the jeans in a in a bag and I burned. Them. I burned wow, them. I that's burned crazy. Them. It was too much abuse. I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. Yo. And Jackson, I try to man. throw it back. Look at your jacket. Look at your shirt. They were like, no, 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 no. Not tonight. Yeah. Your yeah. pants. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. Cypher, man. Well, Cypher, man. You got something? You got, you got, you got yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Cypher, uh, you, you were one of the first men to ever do podcasting. Did you ever think it would uh, get this far? And uh, if so, what kind of advice can you offer to us? I'm glad. I'm glad you brought this up because me and Juan Epp, I mean, me and Rosenberg had this podcast called Juan Epp. Or it used to be called Juan Epstein. Shorter version is Juan Epp. We relaunched it recently. Now it's called Juan Epp is Dead. It's like De La Soul is dead, but Juan Epp is dead. Now, here's how I can relate to you guys and the forefathers of hip-hop. We started something that is now a major form of revenue and income. And I'm going to say we get almost jack shit out of it. Okay? We, we missed. <laughs> we, we, we didn't miss the boat. The boat wasn't even built when we were doing our podcast. Right. And now there's all these hip-hop podcasts. We had the first hip-hop podcast ever. Now I listen to Joe Button, Nori, uh, 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 Elliot, uh, what's his name? Elliot Wilson, Rap Radar. All these guys have hip-hop podcasts, and they're like, Jesus and Miro, they're like, oh, the Godfathers, Cypher Stones and Rosenberg, they started this. They did everything. They were the forefront uh, pioneers. I'm like, hey, throw me a bone over here. You're going to get a little check or something, please. You got hundreds of thousands of sponsorship money coming in. Can you th give me an honorarium? Or something? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said when we first started, man. It was like, this is where it's, there was no podcast and there was none of this stuff going on. In fact, there was like, uh, I guess there was like, you know, chucking you at the, at, at the beginning, you know, eh, what the hell is he doing? You know, but now, like you said, everybody and their mother got one. Yeah. Well, I mean, hell, um, look at it. We we doing one now because of that. No, nah, but this this is amazing see what you, what you started. Doing, man. See what you started. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know y'all gotta work That's now, good. but yeah, right. the advice I give, like we, I love it, man. You go to Paris. Um, my thing is, <laughs> my thing is, our our podcast was hip hop nerds, right? Nori's podcast is like he was he's it's drink champs. They get drunk and they tell stories, but Nori was around a lot of those stories. Um, rest in peace, Combat Jack. 
uh, yeah. his podcast was like, you know, he was a lawyer his whole right. life. So his podcast is like trial. Like he does yeah. hardcore research on what he was going to bring up in his podcast, man. He did it very well. I did Our, his show once. I did his XM yeah, show. he was amazing, I, I, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rest in peace to him. Um, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, Combat Jack's son, uh, uh, I think his name is Reggie. I think he's Reggie Jr. But say he's running for office in Brooklyn next mm. year. So mm. uh, look him up. Um, mm -hmm. Something O-S-S-E. I forgot his first name. But that's Combat Jack's son. Young brother, like, really big in the political field. I love him. I, I support him. So that's just a little okay. shout out. Um, yeah. But all, okay. my thing was like hip hop nerd stuff. My One of my favorite questions I ever asked. Listen, we had Snoop Dogg and we he's done so many interviews. We know everything about Snoop Dogg. He was a crip. He was in jail. Dr. Dre, Suge Knight, blah, 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 blah. We're so nerds. I was like, Snoop. On the Death Row albums, there was this, I know you guys are from LA, but there was this random Jamaican guy on certain songs. He was on your album, he was on The Chronic, he was on Tupac's album. Who was the Jamaican in LA? And Snoop was like, wow, nobody ever asked that before. Like, he's like, that was the weed dealer. And then we used to make him. <laughs> He used to come to the studio and, and, and sell us weed or whatever. Then we used to be like, yo, go in the booth. Say some shit. Say some shit. And he'd be like, why y'all want me to say? Why y'all want me to say? And, then, and I was and like, little things like that is what we focus on. So, like, with you guys, like, it's, it's, it's better to have that niche. But you have it because you could tell all the old school stories. And back mm -hmm. when you dropped, you know, um, uh, Rappers Delight back in 1946. Here, here we go. Five. Here we go. You know, Rappers Delight was playing when all the soldiers came back from World War II. Yeah. It, was, it was playing on the Victrola. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> you know that famous picture of the, 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 the Navy uh, sailor kissing the girl? And they, get home. Yeah. they were listening to Rappers Delight. They were about to go to the right. hotel motel. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Boop, yeah. <laughs> Yo, man, we could do this all day, man. But look, oh, man. before we go, day, before man. we go, man, before we go, I want to tell you this, man. It's very yeah. important. We, 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 every person that comes on this show, and I say this with all love, because being as though we are kind of like the roots of this whole music thing, and those roots have now grown into a huge tree, and the tree it creates branches, man, and those yeah. branches create leaves. You're like a person, man, that is a part of that root, man. So what we do with every person that comes on the show. You, as of right now, are now officially a part of the Sugar Hill Gang family. So, welcome to the family. Oh my God. So, so, yes, when you hear us from now on, when you see us or you hear us and you hear that's because, oh, that means we talking to a family member, man, man. because it's it, we appreciate what you've done. We appreciate no what you do. We appreciate who you are and we appreciate what you've become, man. man. So, Thank and we you, miss you, you in the morning, man, dog. Man, thank you, man. I'm working. I'm working on some things. Hopefully, I get back on something. But um, man, that that's an honor. I really appreciate it. And like, yo, guys like you and what y'all did, like, I, I, I don't know. I had no focus in life before hip hop. No focus. I I was gonna join the Marines and just whatever. You know what I mean, and and for y'all for y'all to 
go into that wilderness that it was back then, back in 1928, <laughs> for you to for you to set it off, and uh, and and for me to have a career and a life and a and a home and a family that I get to support through this, through what, through talking on a mic, playing music, man, I, I say thank you, man, and I really appreciate no. it. I thank you for doing what you've done with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The joy of being the part of this thing that did bring it to the world is, is like I said, my experience yeah. now to meet and see people that are thriving, like you said, that are taking care of their families. You know, yeah. for us as people of color, we've always had an issue. You know what yeah. I mean? We're trying to make it in the world. And, know. you know, if you weren't a comedian or you weren't an athlete or you didn't, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of, or, you know, you couldn't figure out what to do education wise. There wasn't a whole lot of other options. It was a oh. lot of cats ran it. That's how a lot of people ran into the streets and this, that, and the third. But, you know, once we came out and, you know, that from that point on, there became another factor. Yeah, you know, there are so many hope, different, yeah. Right. There was hope. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, well, I can I can I can I can rhyme. I can put yeah. rhymes together. Oh, yeah. okay. I, I know what I maybe I can't play music, but I know what sounds good. So I could, yeah. you know, do and then and yeah, I like, can what do is that it guy in the back doing? Well, I could do right. that. I could play songs. Exactly. Right. Or, or that guy over there. Well, maybe I could write about this thing because yeah. now I'm inspired to come up. So to see it come where it's to see it go where it's going and become what it's become. It's an exciting, uh, and, and I'm thankful that I'm here to be able to witness it. You know, that's very, that's very rare. Go away. <laughs> that's 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 really. It, this is even rare to be the first person to be commercially successful at this yeah. music, and yeah. here I am now in in four four decades later to see it be the multi-trillion dollar yeah. and millions of people. You know, that's why I tell people, Jay Z. He need to cut me a check. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, to see it go where it's going and do what it's done, it's amazing, man. So <laughs> thank you, that, man. I said that Jay-Z has that famous rhyme. I was talking to Dave Chappelle, and Jay-Z has that rhyme where he goes, uh, I forget the whole, like, like, I'm charging them. I'm overcharging them for what they did to the cold crush. They did to crush. the cold crush. And yeah. I'm like, right. yeah, but when you overcharge no. them, are you, are you giving right. them some of the overcharge? Right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hey, oh, I'm making uh, sure they pay for what they did to the cokers, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep all that. <laughs> we're, hey, we're not trying to. We, we're not trying. Nah, to I'm just messing around. I've seen. Yeah. I've seen Jay look out for a lot of people, but it's still no, funny know, to I say. Know. Yes, it is, and I, I, I want to throw it in there since we on there. But, but look, thanks again, man, for coming man, thank on. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. I wish you all the success, true blessings, man, all you, the best you. to your no family. Uh, we are going to get up out of here. This is the Sugar Hill Game podcast. I am the Master G. Uh, uh, say good night, T Dynasty. Good night, T Dynasty. Say good night, Hand Dog. Wakanda <laughs> forever, baby. Say good night, Cypher Sounds. Say, did he do Wakanda or the BX? <laughs> Which one was that? That's the BX. Say goodnight, Tyler. Go, go, go. I'm doing two in one. Two in one. I'm doing both. Black History Month, too. We love you. We love you for loving us. This is the Sugar Hill Game Podcast. I'm your host, the Master G. Thank you, y'all. Peace. And we are. Peace. Peace.
Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Gang podcast. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Android users subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Sugar Hill Gang podcast is produced by Raj Katecha and Vikash Mojaria on behalf of Creative Content Agency and Lothar Kamala on behalf of Daily Operation Agency. The show's artwork was created by Frank Art and Horizon Films and the theme music was created by Heavy Bliss. You can contact the show on Instagram at The Real Sugar Hill Gang or email Sugar Hill Gang Podcast at dailyoperation-agency.com. We'd love to hear from you. Peace and love, and we'll catch you on the next episode.